Hello, EB Online Church family. Wherever you may be, thanks so much for making us part of your day and coming to be here and enjoy this time of worship. It was great to see the seniors welcoming us in this morning. And if you hang around a little bit longer, at the end of this video, we're going to be introducing the seniors of 2020 to you. And so I hope that you'll be looking forward to that. Uh, I'm a little biased. I have a daughter who's going to be one of those smiling faces. And so I'm excited to see her and all of the others, all those who are 2020 graduates and hear about some of the future plans that they have. What I wanted to do today is, is just spend just a few minutes and, and offer some life advice to those who are going off to college, going off to work, whatever it might be that as graduates you're choosing to do, but also some reminders for those of us who are parents who still continue to, to be there in the thick of things when it comes to trying to, to raise our children and to give them guidance and wisdom and advice. There's a passage in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8 that reads, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And then the verse finishes, And find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. For centuries, men and women have been trying to discover the answer to this verse. Some have said, well, I'll have a family and I will have lots of children and I will be able to teach them about the Lord and this is how I'm going to please the Lord. Others have said, I'm going to live a monastic existence. I'm going to be single so that I can devote myself to the Lord, so that I can do nothing but live in His service because that is what pleases the Lord. Some have said, I'll try to gain money. I'm going to try to get wealthy and I'm going to do all that I can to accumulate wealth and then I'm going to use that wealth to help others. And I will feed the poor and I will help those who are downtrodden because that is what pleases the Lord. And then there are others who say, well, I'm going to live a pauper's life. I'll take a vow of poverty. I will not get caught up in all the materialism of this life. Instead, I will live in total dependence on God because that is what pleases the Lord. Believe it or not, there are some people who have said, let's go to war, kill all the infidels, because that's what's going to please the Lord. And there are those that say, no, peace. Peace is what pleases the Lord. I will not raise my hand against another. I will only love. You know, as you enter this next stage of life, you're going to join the legions who have come before you on this journey of self and spiritual discovery. And, and you're going to try to find out the answer to this very question. What is it that, that pleases the Lord? So I want to tell you right up front that God is not going to do several normal things on this journey that you're on. The first thing, God is not going to provide proof. I wish he did, but he's not. Hebrews 11 and verse 7 says that by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. You know, as far as we know, neither Shem, Ham, or Japheth ever got the chance to chat with God. They just had to take their dad's word for it. And that to me is nothing short of astounding. You go a step farther and scripture says that their wives got on the ark with them. Now imagine having Noah as your father-in-law. I mean, you couldn't go down to the market without someone saying, oh, she's married to one of those ark boys. Very sad, very sad. I mean, the whole town must have known. How do you hide a structure like that sitting in your backyard? 
And before you know it, word spreads all about Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their nutty old dad who was out there building the ark. The scripture says that Noah preached, but I wonder, well, who in the world did he preach to? I mean, bless his heart, he barely got his family on board. That guy couldn't get a job at any church that I know of. I mean, seriously, we all want to hire Jonah. I mean, he's a mean old cuss, but he can convert a whole city with one sermon. But nobody wants to hear faithful old Noah. Bless his heart. How many Sundays, how many Wednesday nights, how many vacation Bible schools? And Shem, Ham, and Japheth, they couldn't get any kid to load up on their camel and go with them. I wonder how many times, I wonder how many times Shem came in and slammed the tent flap shut and said, that's it, I'm out of here. I'm over with this. And Japheth would say, well, what's wrong? And he said, well, Omar, he came to school today and he had two worms, one male, one female. And he said, oh, your dad might be looking for these. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of being teased. I'm sick of all this and this whole art thing, all because dad, you know, and I wonder if it was Ham that had to grab Shem or Japheth that had to grab Ham and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. If dad says it, then I'm going to trust him. You know, to every father watching, those words ought to be a gauntlet that's thrown down in front of us. Will our children say, look at the way that dad trusts God. And I'm going to trust him that way as well. To every mom and grandmother and grandfather, don't you want your children to say, look at the legacy of faith that has lived out before me? I will believe. And you say, well, wait a minute, isn't that inherited faith? Well, why do you think it is that God was referred to as being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He was the God of Noah. He was the God of Peter and Paul. He is their God and he is ours. The question is that we want to put forth in front of our children you know, will you follow me as I follow the Lord? Even if you don't have proof. God, will you prove to me that if I take these classes and earn this degree that I'll be successful? No. Will you give me proof that there's a heaven? No. How about, can you prove to me that I've actually been forgiven? No, he doesn't do that either. Will you prove to me that if I order my life by the teachings of Scripture that I will be blessed? No. And God's silence can be deafening. But Scripture tells us that by faith Noah, well, Noah built an ark. And it's a funny moment there in chapter 7 around verse 10. It says that they, they didn't get the flood water immediately. They had to wait seven days And I can imagine Shem, Ham, and Japheth, their wives, along with mom and dad, all those animals watching that big door shut. And then they wait. Outside, their friends are calling, hey, whenever you guys want to come out, we'll go get pizza. Shem, Ham, they're looking at Japheth. Each knows that at any moment it's going to rain. And they wait all day long. It's getting dark outside. You think we should go to sleep? Hey, Dad, do you think God is waiting until we go to bed? I don't know, boys. They wait another day and no rain. Another day, no rain. I mean, you put six relatives together in a big Winnebago for six days, and it's eventually going to get tense. And then eventually, all of a sudden, hey, I think I heard something. (laughs) Oh, it's just one of the camels, never mind. You keep waiting and waiting. And then on that seventh day, Can you imagine the first time, can you imagine the first time that rain was heard on that wooden roof? 
Can you imagine their excitement as saving grace poured down all around them? We're told in Hebrews that faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. Guys, God will not always provide proof on your journey. Something else that God will not do. He won't hand out maps. Hebrews 11 and verse 8 says that by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Hey, wouldn't it be great to know where you're going to be in five years? How about 10 years? Just so you can prepare, right? You'd be ready for that job offer. You would be prepared for your mom's illness. You'd have enough money put back for those extra expenses. God, if you would just let me know in advance, if you would have just let me know in advance, I'd have been ready for that temptation. I would have turned down the promotion. I would have asked for forgiveness. Wouldn't you love to have a map? I think we all would have liked to have one this year. How many of us saw COVID-19 coming? How many of you saw your senior year be stopped in its tracks and, and all the things that you'd seen others do, all the things that you had dreamed about doing this year, all of a sudden gone and, and taken away? You'd like to have known about that, wouldn't you? How about the tornado? Man, it'd been great to have known that all of a sudden on Easter that the skies were going to open up, the winds were going to be blowing and and there was going to be such destruction that was going to take place right here in our town, right there in your home. We'd love to have a map. I know my family would have liked to have had a map this week. We'd have liked to have been able to prepare for my father-in-law's death. Like to have known that, that it was coming. Like to have known to have been able to somehow say things that perhaps had been left unsaid or or, or be able to, to enjoy those last final moments. But Scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. And while it might look good on a t-shirt, it's a painful way to live. Yet it's the unknown that tests and proves our faith. And as much as we might like to have a map that shows us all the things that are coming and, and all the things that are going to be happening and all the different obstacles that are going to be in our path, and as much as we would like to have a map that would let us know exactly where we're going to be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, God says, I will be there. I want you to trust me. I will go ahead of you. I will prepare the way for you. But I will not give you a map. Something else God will not do. He doesn't answer a lot of questions. The Old Testament book of Job is a good example of this. So Job is introduced there in chapter 1, and he's living what we would call a blessed life. I mean, at least for his time. Here's how it's described in Job chapter 1. It says he has seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep. Now, okay, it might not sound like a blessing for you, but um, for me it sounds horrible. But for Job at the time, it was a good thing. 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, a large number of servants. He's living the blessed life. But then it's just one tragic circumstance after another. There's a strong wind, a, a tornado that comes, knocks down the house, kills all of his children. He loses his health. He has painful sores on the top of his head all the way to the bottom of his feet. He loses his wealth. His wife isn't taken, but what's worse is that she turns on him and says, Look, why don't you just give up on God? He's given up on you. Just curse God and die. He just loses and loses and loses. And the dream's over. 
And so Job, just for a good section of the book, just wants to know why. God, why is this happening? I mean, Job just doesn't ask this for himself. Job asks it for all of mankind for the rest of history. He's asking it for every senior. He's asking it for every mom and dad. He's asking it for for every person who's ever had to, to bury a loved one. God, why? I just don't understand. God, why did my wife have to leave? God, why did my husband have to die? God, why are my children unfaithful? Just give me a reason, God. And yet no reasons seem to come. In fact, if you study through the narrative, God seems to ask Job more questions than he actually gives Job answers. And then in the midst of it all, here's the strangest thing. Job says to God, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. He's saying, God, there's just something that's happened. In the midst of the loss, in the midst of the pain and the suffering and the mourning and the tears, in the midst of all the questions, I have found you in a way that I have never known you before. I mean, I'd studied about you. I believe in you. But you have walked through, you've walked through all this with me. And now my eyes have seen you. Job experienced God at a level that few have known But his questions were never answered. Hey, one last thing. One last thing about what God will not do on this journey. Guys, God will not always make sense. I love the story of Gideon and how all of a sudden he he is is found by God hiding out in a wine press and and God calls him mighty warrior and explains how he is going uh, to to lead God's people and he is going to go and and be able to to be a redeemer for for the people. And as as he's preparing to go into battle, he's given all these different things that he ends up having to do and things he has to have his men do. And and eventually his men, they get whittled down to about 300. And and then all that he's given, all that he's given for weapons is a torch, a bucket, and a trumpet. And he he passes all this out to the men. And he says, all right, here's your torch and here's your bucket. And all right, here's the trumpets. And and here's what we're going to do. We're going to go surround the enemy. And and then we're going to to cover up our torch with a bucket. And then at the right time, we're going to pull the bucket off and we're going to hold up the torch and the trumpets are going to blast. And we're going to say for the Lord and for Gideon. And it's going to be awesome. And it makes no sense. And yet you read about it in scripture and you find how that the enemies of God were totally terrified. They turn on one another. And it's this huge victory for Gideon. And it makes no sense. Just like it makes no sense, the last will be first. And the first will be last. It makes no sense that it's better to, to give than to receive. It doesn't make a lot of sense to turn the other cheek. And let's just be honest. It doesn't make a lot of sense when we demonstrate our surrender through baptism, does it? Oftentimes, this journey that we go on, we are left feeling lost and confused. We, we, want, we want proof and we want there to be maps and we have all these questions that we want answered. And yet it just seems that there's just more confusion after confusion. The Statler brothers had a song years ago that said in it that things get complicated when you get past 18. And for those of you guys who are getting ready to go to college and you're looking out and wondering what's going to happen, you might think from listening to all the things I've said, it's like, wow, I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I want to do this life. I don't, want to know, I don't know if I want to go on this journey. 
And yet it's a journey that everyone has gone on before. And there will be times where you will feel lost and there will be times where, where you will feel as if you are all alone and there's going to be times where, where you feel that you don't have all the answers and there are going to be times where it just doesn't make sense. I'm just trying to speak truth. But there's good news. When Emily was three years old, I was preaching in Troy, Alabama. And it was the preacher's job to go and turn out the lights in the building, as well as unclog the plumbing and anything else that was going on around the place. Well, one night she was going to help me. She was going to help her dad turn out all the lights in the auditorium. And the way, way that uh, this particular building was made, there were, there were lights that were at the rear of the auditorium and there were lights that were at the, the front of the auditorium where the stage was. And there were light switches at both spaces. And so I left her in the back of the auditorium and I told her to, to turn off her roll of lights while I went to the front up by the stage and, and I was going to turn off mine. And about the time that I hit my switch, she hit her switches and the entire auditorium went, went dark. Not a single light in the whole place. And all of a sudden, she starts screaming bloody murder. I mean, there she was, three years old, and everything in her world went dark. Now, now I could still see where she was because there was just a little bit of a glimmer of light that was coming through the back doors of the auditorium. And I could see her standing there off to the side. And so I just called out and I said, sweetheart, it's okay. Don't, don't worry. I said, all you need to do is listen to daddy's voice and walk towards that little spot of light that you see and it'll all be okay. And as she was trying to decide if she could trust me or not, I began walking down the aisle and I made my way from the front to the rear of the auditorium. And she slowly began to make her way from that backside, walking towards that little bitty spot of light. And when she hit that light, she turned and, and looked down that what had to be to her three-year-old eyes, that enormous path of darkness that, that led down the aisle. And she saw an outline of me coming towards her. And she kept listening to me as I was saying, hey, it's okay, I'm almost to you. I'm almost there. Just keep on walking towards the light. And she broke into a run and, and she ran and I dropped to my knees and, and I picked her up. And I mean, she was crying those, those big tears with the snot bubbles that were coming out of her nose. I mean, it was a big deal. And she looked at me and I'll never forget it. She said, Daddy, you lost me. And I said, no, sweetheart, I, I didn't lose you. I knew where you were this whole time. I could see you. And even though it was dark for you, I knew exactly where you were. Guys, on this journey, we're trying to make it home. We're trying to find out what pleases the Lord. But there are times where we're going to feel as if God's lost us. And there are times where we're going to say, God, I'd like to have a little proof. There's times where we want to say, God, I think you've lost me and it doesn't make sense. God, I just need a map. If you'll just tell me, give me a map, let me know what's coming so I can prepare. Yet in the midst of all of our questions and in the midst of all of our wanderings and all of our wonderings, God says, I haven't lost you. Listen to my voice. Walk towards the light. 
You know, there are times that are a journey home. There are times on this journey it's going to seem there's no proof, there's no maps, there's no answers, and there's no sense to it all. But I have faith that you are going to continue to walk and you're going to continue to serve and you're going to continue to forgive and you're going to continue to love because that is what pleases the Lord. Class of 2020, I have no doubt that our God has great plans for you. You were once darkness, but now you were children of light. Walk in that light and find out what pleases the Lord. You are not alone. You will never be alone. Have a great, great day.